Apparently, the vegan logic is that honey is terrible because it's exploitative and bees are enslaved to produce honey, so therefore they can't eat it. But apparently raising and killing billions upon billions, if not trillions, of crickets every day is perfectly okay. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Meat Medic Podcast. Now today's episode we are discussing a slightly disturbing trend that sadly isn't just likely to become a reality in the future, it's actually pretty much already here. Bugs are back on the menu boys and girls of course. Uh, that's right, eating bugs, ants, cockroaches, flies, larvae, crickets, uh, you name it, they want you to eat it. All in the name of, well... I'm not really sure, actually. Uh, science, maybe? I don't know. The environment, possibly. Profit? Without doubt. But what's this all about? And why are we even talking about it? Well, my good friend Linda Rose, who's been on the show before, episode 17, by the way, if you want to check her out, uh, she asked me to look into it and provide her with some information. And I thought, you know what? Why not actually make an episode out of this? I've been thinking about doing it, covering it for a little while anyway. I want to start off quickly with why is this even controversial? I mean, after all, we're reading me. And that's protein, fat. Why do we care about eating bugs? Why not? Apart from the fact that, you know, it's not really very palatable for most people. Most of us don't really want to think about eating beetles and cockroaches and flies. I mean, the truly horrifying thing, though, is that we're actually already doing it and we don't even realize. And worse still, they are probably actually kind of hiding it from us, actually. That's right. They're basically already feeding us bugs and in everyday food. But not just that. They're pretty much lying to us. They're hiding it from us. They're tricking us. And they don't want us to know. So here's some examples of food that already includes bugs, usually in the form of crickets. Hmm, sounds very yummy, doesn't it, eating crickets? So flour, very common. Burgers, so pre-made burgers, sausages, anything pre-made, chips, uh, fries, depending on where you are in the world, uh, protein powders, bread. I mean, these are just a few of the examples that already contain these foods, these bugs. In fact, pretty much any like processed or prepackaged food has probably got some bugs in it. You'd be shocked and amazed at what utter garbage they will put in our food just for the sake of profit. Or maybe you actually wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> if you're new to the show, you might be surprised. If not, yeah, you probably wouldn't be surprised. Common names for bug protein in food, so you can actually check the ingredients yourself, are things like achita um, or achita protein, uh, novel protein, quote unquote, if you're listening in the podcast, you can't see my air quotes, uh, or entomo protein, which is basically insect protein. Um, achita domesticus is the kind of name for the, the common cricket, basically. So that's why they call it achita or achita protein, or achita, I'm not how we say that, sure how we say that, let's say that word. Whether or not bug protein is kind of good or bad for us isn't really quite the point, though, that I'm trying to make already. You know, it's really that it needs to be very, very clearly labeled. It should be labeled as insect protein, cricket protein, beetle protein, cockroach protein, you know, something like that that actually gives it a very, very clear name, very clear definition. Otherwise, they're kind of just hiding it from us. You know, whether you call it greenwashing or just being scientific, you know, again, air quotes, I mean, pretty much they're, they're kind of hiding it from us. Other common foods that are probably laced with bugs. Oh, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? Chocolate. Sorry, guys. I mean, look, if you're fans of the show, you're probably not eating that much chocolate anyway. But look, some people are still going to eat chocolate. Sorry, it's probably got bugs in it. It's probably got insects in it. Coffee. 
Now, look, I still like a coffee. I'm not a purist when it comes to carnivore diet and so on. But actually, yeah, coffee is thought to contain, I think, up to about 10%. Actually might just be kind of like ground up bugs, basically. Uh, fruit juice, peanut butter. Again, generally on this show, we're not talking that much about these foods. But look, there might be some animal-based people out there eating fruit. Uh, fruit juices, uh, there might be people having peanut butter as well, thinking it's okay. I wouldn't do it, but you know, you do what you want to do. We spoke a little bit about there. 10% of coffee might actually be just ground up bugs. Delicious. Do we actually need to care about this though? Is this actually something to be really bothered about? I mean, apart from the obvious fact that they're pretty much just lying to us for profit, deceiving us, and, and just really tricking us into eating food that we may not actually want to eat. Is eating bugs actually bad for us or is this all a storm in a teacup? So let's just let's just dissect it a little bit. And I'm going to look at some of the articles today. And I'm going to bring some up here and this is basically a very 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 long document if you're wanting to actually read this document. It's the Edible Insects Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security by the FAO Forestry Paper. Now, I'm not going to go through this because it is hundreds of pages long. So I'm not going to go through all that. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what are the issues with eating bugs? I'm going to bring up a number of studies, a number of links here that we can have a look at. If you're listening in the podcast, again, thank you for listening. I'm going to put all of these links in the episode description so you can check them out at your leisure when you are able. If you're driving in the car, please don't be looking on the internet. So what are the problems with eating bugs? Why do we, why do we actually care? Well, I mean, number one, really, people just kind of might not want to, really. I mean, I think that's a that's a perfectly valid reason and choice that we should be entitled to make as individual consumers. Yet that choice is taken away from us when we are basically tricked into eating things without our knowledge, when things are hidden in the ingredients. Number two, and this is a big one, actually, these bugs are potentially allergenic. So that's you know, like like any food this could cause allergens. This could cause allergic reactions, sorry. Uh, now, anyone that, you know, basically has never eaten bugs before, or at least not knowingly, <laughs> anyone that hasn't eaten bugs before, you may have a reaction. And of course, if you've never eaten them before, you're not going to know if this, if you are allergic or not. When that choice is, you know, kind of then taken away from you, when you don't know that you're eating something, that is a real problem. And food labeling, especially around allergens, is a big deal Yet these things are not put on the food labels as potential allergens. It's very much downplayed or minimized. Now, anybody with any kind of allergy can tell you allergies are potentially life-threatening, especially food allergies. And this is a very real problem. How do you know what you're eating if it's not clearly labeled? And are these companies willing to basically kill people all in the name of profit? I don't know. Let me know in the comments what you guys think. Number three. Bugs are typically pretty good in protein. We'll come back to that in a moment, but they're typically very low in fat and cholesterol. Now, this is a big deal. We spoke about fat and cholesterol a number of times on this program. I'm going to cover it in later episodes. But fat is and cholesterol particularly are essential for our bodies, essential for our brains in particular. About 60% of your brain is made up of fat, made up of saturated fat. About 24% of your total body fat and cholesterol is actually, what well, cholesterol, it's actually in your brain. That's kind of important. And eating foods which are very low in fat actually causes a lot of issues. 
Add to this the reduced bioavailability of protein uh, compared with other nutrients when compared to animal protein. And this is a this is actually a little bit of a of, of, of a big deal here. Uh, number four, and this is quite a big one as well. Bugs, insects, potentially contain a lot of toxins, pesticides, chemicals, heavy metals, you name it. This is a big concern for our food supply to be filled with these toxic substances. Number five, environmental concerns. Touted as the potential savior of the planet, but, you know, I'll come back to that a little bit later. Bug farms actually, are they actually environmentally friendly for the planet? There's a lot of concerns that they use huge amounts of water and energy. Let's explore this a little bit more, though. I think I spoke a bit about the ethics of tricking us into eating bugs, probably enough already. So let's move on to number two, allergens and the danger for allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis. Now, anybody with allergies will know exactly how dangerous this can be to them. But let's have a look at a few papers. So I just want to bring up this paper here and highlight this key passage. So I'm just going to highlight it here. Despite the obvious nutritional value, I'm just reading from the paper here, despite the obvious nutritional value of edible insects, the food safety issues of edible insects such as microorganism, allergic reaction, and toxicity may catch up with latent consumer. Harmful factors affect food safety of edible insects and is summarized in table three, yada, 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 yada. In the perspective on microbial safety, insect gut is considered as a main habitat and body surface and mouth parts are also included. Doesn't it sound so tasty? Microbial colonization is reached vertically through ovary, egg capsule spawning, and horizontally through feed and environment. Therefore, the use of insects as food sources may have a potential hazard as a pathogenic vector. In addition, the microbiota ratio in insect gut can be an important part being used as food sources because the total amount of biomass from gut microbiota could account for 1% to 10% of the body weight of the insect. So we're basically getting a lot of the gut, the gut bacteria and the microbiome from the insect in the food up to approximately even up to 10%. In addition, it is practically difficult to remove gut parts from edible insects. Although insect-specific pathogenic microorganisms had no risk to human health, they can colonize only cells or tissues of insect. However, the contamination of human pathogenic microorganisms can occur, and this contamination may be regulated by controlled breeding conditions with special care. In allergic reactions, some edible insects had allergic cross-reactive proteins with arachnids and crustaceans, which are known as arthropods. Furthermore, carmine used for food dye is obtained from the bodies of fecal uh, cochineal insects, and this dye could induce allergic reactions to some patients. Considering that only a few studies regarding the allergic reaction of edible insects has been carried out, we need to pay attention to the unknown potential allergens contained in edible insects. Further study and investigation are required. Okay, so pretty important there. Basically, what it's saying is we're going to get potentially a lot of allergens from the bugs. We're going to be getting a lot of the gut microbacteria, a lot of the gut microbiome, a lot of the microorganisms that could also contaminate the other food supply. And this could be a, con a concern with a lot of people having things like shellfish allergies, like crustaceans and other, other kind of arthropods actually having allergies, not to mention things like house dust mites and so on. I just want to bring up another study as well, if I can. So here we have allergic risks of consuming edible insects, a systematic review. And I'm just going to read another bit of the abstract here. They noted that the data from 25 studies suggesting 
that allergic potential of insect protein bugs and crustaceans could be significant current knowledge is lacking and further research is required so they analyzed a total of 25 articles eight assessing the cross-reactivity 14 case reports describing case series of prevalent studies of food allergies caused by insects so this is not just you know kind of me making this up this is genuine people have you know actual concerns around these allergies now we also want to look at the bioavailability of nutrients from edible insects i'm just going to pull up this paper here as well uh, in particular we want to look at the nine essential amino acids so in this paper it was noted that apart from natural variation in protein constants amino acid profiles among different insect species the contents of these components are sensitive to preparation methods such as cooking boiling frying or drying and the drying method used e.g hot air freeze drying vacuum drying or microwave drying Minerals are less sensitive to processing conditions, but it could be affected by the cooking style as they may leach during boiling. So what they're saying here is, despite what it's saying, you might not actually even be getting all of those amino acids because they're actually just not really bioavailability. Uh, in other words, we, we don't actually have any real information about the, you know, the actual bioavailability, what's going on here. They also noted later down in the article that whilst the majority of published studies on insect nutrients reported the content of protein and focused on indispensable amino acids, the bioaccessibility and the bioavailability of nutrients have not received the same level of attention. In other words, we actually don't have much data on the bioavailability of those non-essential amino acids. Technically, not essential, as in the body can manufacture them, but the way the human body works, it generally doesn't manufacture what it needs to thrive merely to survive so it's preferable to get all non-essential nutrients in food as well as the essential ones now i'm just going to go back to the paper here and i want to have a look at table one so let's just go down here so table one is showing an outline of the uh, protein and the amino acids some of these essential amino acids uh, in some of these bugs and insects as compared to other things like casein, beef, egg white, and so on. Now, I'm not going to read every single data point here, you know, because I'm going to be here all day. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. Hello. And uh, you can, I'll put a link in the description, of course, as well. You guys can have a look at this yourself. But what we can see here on the screen is that generally the bioavailability is actually kind of lower for most of these insects than it is for things like beef and egg white, for example. Now, soybean generally a bit low as well on the whole. We're going to, you know, we spoke about soy, soy and things quite a lot on this channel before. We really don't want to be eating soy. Uh, if we look lower uh, down, the availability of minerals also kind of comes into question a little bit here as well. So again, I'm not going to read every single data point because we'll be here all day. I'll try and just kind of scroll down this slowly for people on YouTube. And again, I'll put the link for the uh, the the um, I'll put a link for the study in the episode description, of course, as well. Uh, but what we can see here is that generally, again, bioavailability is lower. And if we scroll further down, as we see here, again, it says cooking or drying can basically actually affect the amount of minerals that we're actually getting again from the insect protein so it's not just what's in the insects it's what can we actually access again if we go back to the paper we've got you know i'm just going to read it out here in the section on anti-nutrients so another consideration is the presence of some anti-nutritional factors which you know anti-nutrients e.g oxalates tannins alkaloids phytates and saponins like i said which can impact the digestibility of protein and the absorption of minerals and subsequently reduce their bioavailability. Yes, we know that. 
recently there's you know some people Konatsa and Shiriwi I've said those wrong I apologize reported the oxalates tannins flavonoids alkaloids and saponins content in edible insects the authors reported extremely high and possibly unrealistic values just reading from the uh, the article here uh, with some numbers respectively. A more realistic figure perhaps was reported by another person who reported, again, some different numbers there. I'm not going to bother reading them all. But these were actually somewhat high. If we actually do some mathematics, you know, we can work out. So the paper is suggesting, I'll leave it up on the screen on YouTube, that the average adult, you know, the average adult weighs about 70 kilos. So we should probably be eating around about 150 to maybe even 200 grams of protein per day. I mean, generally speaking, at least two grams of protein per lean, lean you know, body weight per, per body weight, or what is probably a better is about one gram to 1.5 grams per centimeter of body height. I actually prefer using that. I think it's just a lot easier to try and work. You don't have to work out, you know, lean body mass or anything like that. You know, it's these oxalates in particular. Now I did an episode on oxalates previously. And if you haven't checked that one out, definitely make sure you have a look at that. Um, you know, estimating that these oxalates, you might be between about maybe five to even 50 milligrams at the outset per 100 grams of, of these bugs. Now, given that the bugs are typically about 30, maybe 40% at max protein, I mean, it's fairly typical to beef, but about 30 to 40% protein, we're going to need much more than that 100 grams. So potentially that may be up to even maybe 200 milligrams if we're having, you know, kind of 25, 30% protein. Uh, 200 milligrams of, 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 of oxalates, not level nine, anything else you know, saponins, oxalates, tannins, alkaloids, the rest of it. Now, if you don't understand those numbers, I mean, look, I don't really blame you. Suffice to say, that is quite a lot. If we're talking about a low oxalate diet, you know, generally speaking, we're talking about below 50 milligrams intake on a low oxalate diet. When you've got 200 milligrams alone coming from the protein in your diet, that's actually a really big concern, given that most protein otherwise contains like basically zero, pretty much oxalates. That is actually a bit of a a bit of a concern, and that is actually quite worrying. Another article I wanted to bring up here is the accumulation of heavy metals in feeder insects and their impact on animal production. Now, again, this paper is noting that some species of insects can accumulate large amounts of cadmium which is particularly problematic. So let's go to the, the element, you know, section on, on cadmium here. Uh, cadmium is a big, big problem and it can persist in the human body for up to 30 years and exerts extremely toxic effects on the body, um, causing direct DNA damage and abnormal protein development within cells. The potential toxic dose of cadmium is around five grams in an average adult, and it's estimated that bugs might contain up to maybe 8.33 milligrams per kilogram of cadmium. Now, that is a bit of a concern, but it's not enormous amounts. But it's more than, it's more than I would want to be eating. Let me put it that way. Again, let's do some basic maths here. I'm just going to bring it up on the screen so people on YouTube can have a look at what I'm talking about. So let's do some basic maths. You know, it's estimated that bugs might contain around 8.33 milligrams per kilogram of cadmium. We've already said that we're eating maybe around three to 400 grams of bugs a day to actually meet our protein requirements. And that's in an average individual. If you're a big person, you probably should be eating a lot more. So potentially we might be ingesting around, you know, three milligrams a day. If we're eating, if it's 8.33 milligrams roughly per kilogram, and we're eating a third at least of that. I mean, that might be anywhere from two to maybe even five milligrams of cadmium a day. Now, we're well away from that five grams of cadmium that we're wanting to avoid. 
but it's again, I mean, I don't want any cadmium <laughs> in my diet. As far as I'm aware, there's no benefit of having cadmium in the diet. I mean, there probably is a tiny bit, I don't know, often is with some things, but again, it's not huge. But if we compare it to beef, for example, beef is around 0.05 milligrams per kilogram which most people will eat, again, what, three to 500 grams of a day. Again, you're going to be eating the same amount of beef as you are probably, you know, the bug protein, given that protein is about the same, somewhere between 20 and kind of 40%, which is going to give around 0 0.1, 0.2 milligrams of cadmium, a lot less than that three milligrams. Like that's 10 to maybe 15 times more, even 20 times more than you'd be getting from beef. But what about lead? What about arsenic? What about mercury? Again, I'm showing it up on the screen here. Again, please check out this, this review article. I'll put it, a link in the description. I mean, basically, they're all pretty same, you know, pretty similar. Not terrible. No, I can't lie to you and say, oh, these are going to kill you if you eat them because of heavy metals. No, but these heavy metals accumulate. And the general gist of it, we, we want to eat as little as possible. As far as we know, there is no benefit to eating, you know, heavy metals, as far as I'm aware. So I want to talk a little bit about the environment. Now, we're often told that livestock farming uses a huge amount of, you know, environmental, um, you know, kind of capital, that there's a lot of carbon emissions from it, that we have to clear loads of space for it. I mean, that's really actually just not true. It's estimated that actually, for the most part, animal livestock, especially regenerative raised, actually is essentially carbon neutral. Um, I also want to bring up this article here from um, where are we? Clear Center Clarity and Leadership for Environmental Awareness and Research at UC Davis. Again, I just want to, I'll, I'll put links in the description, of course. So, and the headline here really, the US beef and dairy sectors can be climate neutral by 2050. So essentially we're talking about climate neutral. Um, it's estimated that, again, the carbon production of insects is is not neutral, that it's actually carbon, you know, positive, essentially it's producing carbon, whereas, life, and, and there's, there's no, you know, with vertical farming, basically insect farming, as far as I'm aware, there is absolutely no return to the environment. There's no regeneration. There's no, you know, kind of giving back to the environment like, like livestock does. I mean, cows, you know, they walk around, they pee, they poop. They, they put nutrients back into the soil, essentially this whole life cycle. They don't take anything away from the planet. They take and they give and they take and they give. You know, insect farming basically just takes. It uses a lot of water. Yes, it's less space because they can do vertical farming, but it still takes space. And it's not carbon neutral. It's carbon producing. And that is actually a big issue. So, I mean, all in all, look, I mean, basically there might be some benefits. But there's also probably a lot of disadvantages to eating bugs for dinner, heavy metals, anti-nutrients, and of course, the environmental impact from this. Never mind the ethics of, <laughs> this is funny, the ethics of raising billions upon billions, probably trillions, in fact, of living beings, insects are alive, purely to be slaughtered. Something that the vegan community <laughs> conveniently ignores. Apparently, the vegan logic is that honey is terrible because it's exploitative and bees are enslaved to produce honey, so therefore they can't eat it. But apparently, raising and killing billions upon billions, if not trillions, of crickets every day is perfectly okay. Hmm, interesting. Okay, well, I guess on that note, I'm going to end the episode. I'm kind of ranting a little bit, I suppose. So let me know in the comments or get in touch on social media at The Meat Medic across all channels. 
What's your thoughts on eating bugs? Did you know you were probably already eating bugs already? Does the thought horrify you? Or actually, is it totally cool? And maybe you just want the choice to be eating bugs. I don't know. Do you think it's perfectly fine that these companies are hiding bugs in our food and not telling us? Potentially allergic and just potentially killing people just for the sake of profit? Or do you think they should be held more accountable? Let me know in the comments. Let me know on social media. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Hopefully I haven't ranted too much, although I, I get feedback that you guys do love my rants occasionally. <laughs> so let me know in the comments if I ranted too much. Uh, follow me on social media at The Meat Medic across all channels and I will see you in the next episode.